Well, let me get our cartoons out of the way. Hey, there's the real us. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it is a Tuesday night, June 15th. 2021. I am uh, fresh from the UP, unpacked the car, kicked everything to the grass, and ran downstairs. It's a beautiful day outside. Pete, it looks gorgeous in northern Michigan. I can attest. I just drove back through. It is. John, you're looking fantastic in the West Wing. I know. It's very nice. It's a very nice, <laughs> comfortable, uh, affordable home. Um, you know, uh, unemployment has treated me well. It's Nice thing. Uh, anyways, you are watching uh, history, or maybe listening, history and whiskey. This is uh, the end, the finale of season one, episode six, The Mormon King of Beaver Island, a topic that I uh, admittedly know absolutely nothing about. So I'm going to take a side seat to these two lovely gentlemen. In fact, I'm going to you know, put myself down here, let the two, two stars be on top. The Mormon and, uh, King was the coolest, arguably one of the coolest Mormons ever. Ah, well, I know very little about Mormons as well. So this will be <laughs> eye-opening and enlightening for me. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm sipping on a lovely sangria over here, uh, gentlemen. Nice. I'm actually uh, uh, got a little bit of bullet bourbon, uh, uh -huh. neat, um, in my uh, Michigan, promote, promoting Michigan again, of course, yes, along with the broadcast. Course. Uh, and, uh, I have a, an all day IPA back from Fox nice. in Grand Rapids, a very good beer. Oh, it's great. Justin, I you're am. in Grand Rapids. How's the weather in Grand Rapids? I am. It's, uh, not, not going to lie. It's pretty kick-ass. I like it's it. It's not so bad. We had a heck of a weekend last weekend in, in town with a lot of awesome events and Grand Rapids even kicked off like their first May of the year, which was the Asian Pacific a community event kind of for the weekend thing it was it was fantastic and amazing a lot of people eating fantastic asian food and sweating profusely it was great i love it i have a sneaky visitor in the corner here probably looking for his headset i'm gonna guess but uh, anyways um we're gonna get into this topic here pretty soon i would like to uh say that we are being brought to you by ilogic media of course uh, there's my son michael sneaking around my house and i don't know who invited him i mean get maybe, out of the west wing maybe pete can come over and give him some piano lessons on the piano over here yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> uh, that, that looks like a fine piano oh and he said no, no it looks no 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 he doesn't want to learn the piano i don't think i don't know but uh, <laughs> anyways, there he goes. See you later. Um, let's yeah. get going, shall we? I we this is a huge topic that Pete has been eager to talk about. Justin's is is in love with. Um, I know absolutely nothing about. So we've delayed a few weeks. We apologize to everyone, but um, it's it's full full blown summertime. Pete's going to be too busy to continue on for the summer, and and so will I with a new job and everything starting next week. So uh, oh, yeah. I, we're going to take a nice break. We'll be back after Labor Day with season two. If there's any topics you'd like to hear us uh, talk about, we, we prefer the Michigan-centric ones, but we'll we'll do some stuff outside of Michigan as well. Um, please drop us a line on, a, on the iLogic Facebook page or right here in the comments, and we'll add it to the list of topics to cover in Season 2 premiering uh, this fall. Watch out for dates at iLogicMedia.com and uh, be ready for a fun-filled Season 2 this fall. Go ahead, boys. Take it away. Before we start, one quick thing. I, I really wish that uh, that we could have worked it out with our – we really wanted to get the special guest from Be Well Meat and Cidery in uh, Bel Air, Michigan, Jer and Liz. Unfortunately, uh, we, we were on the move, and John was in the in the camping area, which is yippee ki -yay. But mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, the, the, the streams did not cross on this one. But, uh, but there's a reason why you wanted to talk about Be Well. They use apples from Beaver Island, uh, some historic apples. They have. Yeah. That are descendants of the trees that were left there from the Mormons, I think. <laughs> right. We were hoping they would shed some more light on that. But, uh, you know, maybe yeah. we'll, we'll talk more about it in season two. That would be great. Yeah. We'll give an update, maybe. All right. Well, take it away, Pete. Where are we starting here? Uh, well, uh First of all, uh, you know, uh, as far as our viewership goes, I'm not sure how far we reach, but uh, Beaver Island, just for a little geographical reference, yeah. is the largest island uh, in Lake Michigan. And it's roughly 13 miles long, north to south, by about eight or eight and a half miles wide at its widest point. 
And uh, it has a wonderful natural harbor on the northeast corner of it, uh, St. James Harbor, which is named after the guy that we're going to be talking about here. But um, uh, it was largely vacant until about, you know, the 1830s or so, as far as white settlers. There were very few. Uh, there were some Irish fishermen who had uh, married some Native American uh, women and had kind of, you know, uh, you know, because of, you know, how that would have been treated, mixed race relations, you know, uh, uh, were living out on these islands. And actually, uh, Beaver's the biggest, and there's a, an 11 island chain archipelago uh, Hog mm -hmm. Island, Whiskey Island, um, you know, uh, uh, tons of them. Uh, and some of the best, uh, like, fishing in all of the Great Lakes is in this archipelago. There yeah, are exactly. like ba yeah. bass, bass rookeries uh, still, uh, bass and salmon and steelhead and uh, walleye and perch. I mean, it's it still is pretty much one of the most bountiful places in the Oh, no. oh. Did we lose Pete? We lost him briefly. Oh, he's working he's, his way back, but he's absolutely wait. right. Oh, oh, there we go. I just back with us, Pete. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, it's and I don't know whose connection it is. Um, anyway, long story short, just a very uh, untapped kind of resource back in the 1830s and 40s. You know, very sparsely populated and so anyway that kind of sets the stage for uh you know our man who is actually he's known as king james or james strang but his birth name was jesse james strang and he changed it about the time he was 19 or 20 uh because this guy had delusions of grandeur like from ver a very early age and, and was thinking literally had fantasies about marrying the, the uh, queen victoria you know, who was heir to the, the British throne. Uh, I mean, like, you know, crazy stuff. But anyway, I'm going to start off. He was born in state, uh, New York State, upstate, um, by the Finger Lakes region, which is near Cornell University, wine region now. And um, uh, coincidentally, uh, the guy who founded the Mormon Church, Joseph Smith, um, was also from that region. And that is where Mormonism started was in upstate New York uh, in the 1830s. And Strang just happened to live fairly close by, not like next door, but I mean, you know, close enough that uh, the communications at the time would have been relaying, you know, what was going on in the community and with regard to uh, Joseph Smith and this new religion. So, uh, and people so really Strang loved the religion, right? They really embraced it. Absolutely. And and they actually referred to that region in New York uh, as the burnt over district, meaning the Pentecostal fires were scorching that area. And it was very true because there were so many. And I don't know. I can't remember the number of little like Christian micro sects that like were created and spawned during like a 10 or 15 year period in that very geographic region. So. Um, uh, so they called it the burnt over region uh, or district and, um, and Strang was kind of, kind of grew up in that. And he grew up a Baptist actually, uh, his parents were Baptists. Um, he later rejected it, um, and, uh, ended up meeting Joseph Smith, uh, after having, uh, moved to the, uh, what was then the Northwest territory. It was before Michigan was a state. Uh, well, let's see. His parents moved there in the 1830s, so right, right around that time. But um, um, he uh, from a, he was kind of a sickly child, this guy, okay? He ends up being the king of Beaver Island, and he ends up being a state legislator and uh, a, a very powerful man in northern Michigan for a period of about eight years. Actually, about really about six years. Um, but he grew up like this kind of sickly gangly, not a good looking man, not a good looking kid, you know, like this big bulbous forehead and um, did not spend much time in school, but was a voracious reader and became very, very smart and became a lawyer basically uh, in New York state and became a member of the bar and took a wife um, 
Uh, I forget how old he was. Um, but prior to that, this guy, and I was alluding to this when we were before we were on the air, at the age of 15, he was having an affair with a single unwed mother. Um, <laughs> and that kind of that set the tone for this guy's life. Um, he had a real problem with women from the age of 15. And he had several liaisons or, you know, uh, uh, relationships uh, with older women and, and younger women as well. He didn't seem to discriminate. Um, but Not to that be played as like a, a stereotype, you know, of Mormonism with the multiple wives of, of that particular sect of Mormonism. <laughs> but do you, like, in all honesty, like, was, was that a draw to Joseph Smith? Was, was his, um, you know, love of, of sharing around a draw to, to Smith? Or, or do you think that Smith's Smith, side was it maybe... the polygamy that interests yeah. Smith the most in Mormonism? Yeah. I'm just curious. Like, how did he, like, like, do you know any way of why he got involved with, with Smith? Was it just charisma and, and rebelling against the parents? Well, I don't know. I think, I think Mormonism in that area really took on like, like wildfire, like Pete was saying, like people were really into it. And um, I think honestly, the story, I think when Pete, is Pete frozen right now? He is. He looks a little frozen. Okay. When Pete comes back, he'll probably say, we'll figure out exactly what interested him in uh, Mormonism the most. Mm -hmm. uh, I know originally, like, the Mormons were having pretty good success in that pocket. But once people started back, figuring out apparently. and hearing about the... Oh, hey, are you back, Pete? I am. You back with us, bud? All right. I was just filling in that... Uh, the Mormons in their region in, in the Finger Lakes had great success and were able to get a lot of people interested. But once the word about polygamy started seeping out into the rest of the country about them, uh, their fortunes began to turn. True. They actually, uh, Joseph Smith, uh, it really wasn't common knowledge as far as the polygamy goes until later in the religion. And they actually, well, they did have to move. And obviously the Mormon, there were several hopscotches along the way, but uh, the first of which was um, Illinois and Northern Illinois. Uh, and they had a fairly big size settlement, uh, about 15,000 people. And so they, uh, they moved to Illinois and became quite, quite powerful politically because they had some numbers. And actually, the mm -hmm. city of uh, Nauvoo, they were, uh, Nauvoo was actually neck and neck with Chicago in the 1830s, as far as the biggest city in Illinois. I mean, this is how big this oh, wow. town was. And it was over half Mormons. So, uh, significant was this amount in of central people. Central Illinois? Uh, North Central Illinois, yes. Okay. Uh, okay. And, uh, very, uh, a, a very successful migration, and uh, they actually kind of rivaled the uh, local militia in uh, as far as the Mormon army or their, you know, guards or whatever. Um, That's right. Uh, yeah. So, so, so they had uh, a pretty good sized community, and that's when Strang actually met. Uh, he had moved. He had uh, married his first wife, and uh, he was a lawyer, and just was kind of like trying to get out of, you know, his family was there. Her family was there. He's like, we got to move West. There's cheap land. We can, you know, and I can. Mm -hmm. So he had been told about Joseph Smith by his, uh, one of his best friends and they moved to Wisconsin, but he actually went to Nauvoo, Illinois and met Joseph Smith and instantly became like an elder in the church and was confirmed as a saint. And, it was this instant, like, I'm hitching my star to your bandwagon, basically. He um, pitched himself to the Mormons, didn't he? Like, when he found the Mormons, he's like, hey, I'm the kind of hotshot, respectable dude you need to represent you guys. Right? And I'm like smarter he, and more educated than your leader, which was very true. Um, that's right. Yeah. Oh, we lost him again. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh no! I think 
Pete, Pete and his equipment in StreamYard, we, we've had a, like a year-long battle. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, you're back, Pete. Sorry. We're back. I'll, uh, no, 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 no. And I apologize. I, I really don't think it's my connection, John. I think <laughs> it might be my device and or yeah. uh, just how Apple plays with StreamYard. For some That's what reason, I was just saying. We've had like a year-long battle with Pete's equipment in StreamYard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Pete, we were talking about. Well, uh, I. He was pitching himself as being more educated than their leader. Yes, and he was. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Oh no, we lost him again. Mm-hmm. Maybe he should sign out and sign back in. Hmm. Do you want to try I your will phone? Try to do that right now i could try the phone except i don't have a, a jack for these on my phone hang on i can find another pair of earbuds that's all right we'll make it work one way or the other my boy oh yeah well it's getting annoying though and i'm i apologize i know and it's impeding the flow oh. <laughs> <laughs> we got a good flow all right so i'm going to continue uh i don't know where was i uh Strang moved to, okay, he meets Joseph Smith, becomes an elder, and all of a sudden he's in with the gang. And in Illinois. All of a sudden, in Illinois, and all of a sudden, there's an assassination. And Joseph Smith is taken out by the, uh, a group of people in Carthage. Well, actually, no, in Nauvoo, uh, anti-Mormons, uh, Gentiles, as they were called by the Mormons. Because mm -hmm. the Mormons actually truly believed that they were the lost tribe of Israel. So they actually yeah. considered themselves like Jews from the desert, kind of, you know, uh, very interesting. Um, so the Gentiles came and uh, basically, uh, you know, the polygamy thing. And they were also just throwing their weight around, actually, in the community. And um, uh, so... He's killed. Joseph Smith is killed. His brother Hiram is killed and uh, a couple of other guys. And uh, all of a sudden, Strang sees this opportunity and he forges, basically forges a letter that was supposedly received, you know, like uh, two weeks. And, and mind you, you know, the mail, this is 1844, by the way, uh, uh, fast forward. Mm -hmm. um, the mail is fairly slow. And this is literally Samuel Morris had just sent the first telegraphic message like two months earlier. So there's no telegraph system yet in the United States either. So that we're talking like way pre, 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 pre internet, right? You know? Uh, and he had this letter that he produces that's is supposedly by Joseph Smith stating that and he's having a vision. This is several weeks before his assassination. And he has this vision that he's going to be assassinated. And he has no designated leader to take over the reins of the church. And so he says, it's in this letter, he says, it's going to be strength. And it's Convenient. obviously a base forgery. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously a, a cheap forgery. And so there are a lot of people that go to bat. And Brigham Young obviously is one of them. And uh, long story short, a lot of shit is thrown at each other between he and Brigham Young. Now, this is also an interesting thing. Joseph Smith was actually running for president at the time. Oh, I don't know if you guys knew this. That's right. Yeah. He had a presidential campaign and all of the church elders were out of Nauvoo. They were like all over the country campaigning for Joseph Smith. And so Strang really had an opportunity to like go for the jugular and like timing is everything in life. Right. And so uh, he had kind of a jump on Brigham Young until Brigham Young could get back to Illinois from wherever he was. And I can't remember where he was, but um, but Brigham Young was a little bit bigger of a man. And uh, Strang was very diminutive, very short, very odd looking man. And um, uh Although he had intellect and he had a great oratory prowess, he, he was a, an amazing speaker from all accounts. Uh, Brigham Young just had more firepower behind him and he had more of the Council of the yeah. Twelve of the, of the Mormons behind him. So that's basically what happened. 
and so they split, and we know who kind of won the, the Mormon church, but Strang kept on campaigning, basically. He was campaigning all over the country, went back to the East Coast several times, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, New York, Washington, D.C., uh, you know, Baltimore, and... Uh, It's a good shot. It's a good shot. I'm back now. There you go. You left off of Baltimore. Justin, I'm going to hand this over to you. Okay, Baltimore. Anyway, the guy's campaigning uh, like stumping for like a couple of years, and he's really hitting the campaign trail very seriously. Um, And he eventually uh, wins some followers, and they end up, they end up going up to Beaver Island because the land is cheap. Now, in between, and I'm condensing a lot because I'm looking at the clock, and I know that we're having connection problems. Now Justin's having connection problems. Uh-oh. Or maybe it's me. I don't know. Um, there's uh, There are a lot of problems. There are land grabs going on. Um, Strang tried to lead the flock his portion of the flock to Voray, a new place in Wisconsin that he says the flock is, he's had these visions. Okay. And just, he copied his whole shtick was copied on Joseph Smith. Um, He ends up finding plates in the Hills buried just like Joseph Mm. Smith with hieroglyphics and, uh, and angels appearing to him and having visions and, uh, claiming he's a true prophet. Now, that was one of the bones of contention is that Brigham Young never pretended to be a prophet. And he actually came out and said, I am not a prophet, but I will be a leader to take the church where it needs to be. Uh, And Strang copied Joseph Smith's playbook, basically. And, uh, you know, the smoke and mirrors and uh, the gift of gab. The guy just had the golden tongue. Uh, So he ended up bringing a lot of people to Beaver Island. It was amazing. So, and he liked Beaver Island number one because it's an island; it's difficult to get to, and uh, also yes. uh, the island life with fishing and whatnot allowed you to sustain yourself relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention that general trade in that area was still pretty popular. In fact, amongst the islands in that time, the the native islanders of the great lake islands like the folks that were living on mackinac island just to fish and to live um they would get into scraps with the mormons like freshwater piratry and stuff like that right right pete big time yes big time which is crazy to think of freshwater pirate mormons (laughs) (laughs) and we're talking gunfights too justin i mean like you know, there were, uh, uh, I don't know how many scuffles over the course of, you know, they ended up moving. Strang brings his people up to, to Beaver Island around 1846 or so, 1845, mm-hmm. actually. And uh, uh, there's more skirmishes than you can count uh, between <laughs> them and the Gentiles and, and the Mackinac Island Irish fishermen who were drunk half of the time, which is, hey, you know what? I'm Irish. Still so hasn't you know changed what? today, Pete. I was just in Mackinac Island changed. today watching people stumble out of the keyhole at three in the afternoon. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Strong tradition. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's well known that they had a very, uh, you know, a tenuous relationship. And they basically, the Mormons kicked the Irish off of the island. And those that weren't kicked off or kind of forced off as far as, you know, the Mormons taking over. And really, we should distinguish. We, we should call them Strangites because mm. at this point, Strang has a different version of Mormonism. And he, he comes up with his own book of laws of the Lord, the book of the law of the Lord, uh, as opposed to the book of Moroni. Uh, and his angel is different now. And he comes up with these plates as well, you know, and people in the area think he's fucking nuts you know and but he had this hardcore group of followers but it's what all Joseph's the population of of strings uh, community was at its peak at beaver island i mean how many people did he have there with him 
It's believed to be around 2000, actually, by 1856, which was wow. which was the end of his uh, tenure there. You know, yeah. My dad's probably so, listening now, uh, very disappointed in me, but I, I've never heard of any of this. So this is very fascinating, <laughs> and I can't wait. I, I I purposefully didn't want to read anything, so I could just sit here in awe for this, and then I'm gonna you know read some more when we're done. I was so excited when you picked this con uh, this topic rather, and and the fact that Justin knew. A lot about this guy too you know so <clears throat> even though you don't john um i'm loving on justin for having some of this in his brain too and it, the fact is Thanks, that Pete. you john are exactly like most people in the state <laughs> of michigan they have no freaking clue about this whole story and nobody nobody in the state virtually has any idea that any of this happened and it's nowhere near to the apex of this story okay so my um, father so, just did text me and say he is disappointed in me. So, right. <laughs> it's been confirmed. Nice, <laughs> Mr. Cole. You didn't Good. have to text your son to tell him that. Like, we knew it. We knew. We knew. <laughs> I've shared this story with actual Mormons from Utah, and they're like, "I don't think any of this happened. Like it happened. It happened. It's real." They're like a bunch of Mormons were off and had to live on a place called Beaver Island. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to stay alive, they had to become Great Lakes pirates. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, good day to you. I know Isle Royale has um, a bunch of moose on it. Does Beaver Island have moose on it? Where did the moose come from on these islands? I don't know about that one. That's a good. I don't know if there's moose on the Michigan islands. I think mm -hmm. we have moose on the 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 islands in Lake Superior mm -hmm. and in the St. Mary's River, which I guess I don't know. In my mind, they count as Lake Superior. Mm -hmm. I bet the Canadians one Canadian ones do too. Looks like Pete's but, trying uh, to reset here. So that's okay. Should I keep it going? Yeah, let's keep rolling. All right. So I know that I might be skipping over a lot of stuff that Pete wanted to touch on, but I know these guys got to Beaver Island and after a while they were able to command, command the seas, I guess, <laughs> or the lakes. And, uh, they were able to have, you know, where, where do you go when, when you beat all the, all the pirates, you go into legitimate business and, sure. uh, what this Become guy, big traders and, yeah, of course. So this guy, you know, he became king of the Mormons. Um, he was one of the big things that he was definitely pro about. Oh, hey, Pete. Sorry, one fella. Of the big we were just talking about uh, what he ha what he did after he was done being a pirate, and they were trying to become a legitimate community. Yeah, he started he started getting into local politics, didn't he? That's correct. But I think we might have missed something. Before we go into there, one correct me if I'm wrong. One of the biggest differences between Brigham Young and and our King of of the Mormons was wasn't originally the King of the Mormons. Wasn't he against polygamy? That is correct. Vehemently so. That, As a matter of fact, on record, uh, written word, uh, he double like triple dog dared anybody to not i mean like he was that adamant um yeah and less than two years later hmm when he became king of beaver island he was like i was wrong on that guys that <laughs> primary issue that separated our herd yes my bad i was wrong so gary i'm gonna need to take your your wife as <laughs> my wife <laughs> you got pirating to do anyway Yes. And, and and not just the pirating, okay? These people basically took federal land and didn't pay for it. They, they It was before the federal government offered. A, a, they were going to offer it for $1.25 an acre, which was like 140th of what they were paying in Illinois. And mm. But it hadn't happened. It, the, the feds had not done a homestead thing yet or offered it for sale. But the Mormons moved to the island anyway and staked their claim, uh, thinking that if they settled it, then they would get first dibs on the land. And Finders keepers. Exactly. So, um, 
But yeah, the uh, the whole polygamy thing. He actually got in on the polygamy, uh, and I, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, about his manservant or his secretary. Yes, or and what he described uh, to to folks in Lansing as his ward. His ward, exactly. Um, her name was Elvira, uh, but. What? They they <laughs> cut and dyed her hair and strapped her boobs down to make her look like a man, and she became his personal secretary, named well, wait, Charles. What was, he, what, what was he doing in Lansing? Um, well, first of all, she was from Eaton Rapids, which is like outside of Lansing, and mm-hmm. um, okay, he was in Lansing for uh, actually the first trip to Lansing that I recall was him. Uh, beseeching the state government for a lighthouse for the harbor uh, so as to attract Mm. more shipping business for cordwood for the steamers and also, uh, you know, uh, just uh, supplies in general. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was his first uh, kind of visit to, to Lansing. But they got married secretly and her parents were, she was actually 16 when she, her parents' family joined up with the Strangites. Uh, and that was in Nauvoo. And then they came north. Um, but yeah, he was very against polygamy until he yeah. found this young lady. And, uh, you know, and he started uh, making friends with local politicians. Before he himself became a politician, he befriended and the Democratic Party, this is very interesting, too. There were the Whigs and the Democrats. This is pre-Republican Party. That came with Abraham mm-hmm. Lincoln about, you know, 10 years later. And uh, so there were the Whigs and the Democrats. And the Democrats controlled the House and the Senate and the legislature in Michigan. And most of the media outlets, interestingly enough, were all Democratic as well. And the local, uh, some of the, the local uh, state representative at the time before Strang became state re- representative was also a Democrat. And so Strang aligned himself with the right people at the right time and knew exactly what he was doing politically. And that's really how they got their foothold. Um, uh, and that and the fact that he controlled the press as well. He had a newspaper. And that was published in the area as soon as they got onto the Beaver Island, basically. It was a weekly. And he also was publishing a church newsletter from Nauvoo, Illinois, that had uh, at least a couple of thousand people reading it, I believe. So the yeah. guy had the power of the media. He had politicians in his pocket. And we're talking like 1846, man. This guy had his shit together. And he controlled the upper part of Lake Michigan. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> totally. And uh, at first had some foes with the Native Americans, but then made friends with them and kind of turned them against the Irish fishermen because the Irish fishermen were selling them whiskey. They called it Indian whiskey, which was kind of whiskey. It was like one part out of 10 whiskey and the, the rest was water with cayenne pepper and tobacco. So they would get hmm. a buzz and it would have fire like whiskey but it was they called it indian whiskey and he kind of uh befriended a lot of the native americans and uh kind of fought for them actually as a legislator too um he joined the government yeah <laughs> so i'm interested to know you know obviously um you know, Mackinac Island had had people on it, you know, a, a large population even then. And uh, the, the Straits area, was there like a, a struggle to like dominate the, you know, the boats and the shipping and the trade across yeah. the Straits? Well, Fort Mackinac had been there since the mm-hmm. 1780s or whatever. Um, and there were it, it was fully staffed at that time. Um, uh, we're talking and we talked about the War of 1812, uh, the last show or two shows ago, actually. Um, so this mm-hmm. is like 30 years after the War of 1812 had been mm-hmm. resolved. So they still had a military presence at, at Fort Mackinac and a substantial one. So uh, the U.S. So, government controlled the Straits pretty well. Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, they controlled the Straits, but not, you know, maybe not, that might have been where the reach ended mm-hmm. with, with the guys from Beaver Island was probably right there at the Straits. But, there uh, were p- political considerations that kind of 
people were turning a blind eye. Um, yeah, the guy had big power. I had Pete. This I could be wrong on this, but if I remember correctly, at one point, Charlevoix County was supposed to be what it is today, plus Emmett County, and mm -hmm. the the Mormon King had a lot to do with it. And when he fell out of favor, that's why Emmett got the majority of the chunk, and Charlevoix got just this little baby part at the bottom. I I I know very little about that, but yes, I believe you are correct. Um, it was <laughs> it, it was largely political, and uh, Charlevoix County, yeah, at the time, um, I don't. Which is still the 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 supply port for Beaver Island, right? That's where the is. ferry is. And yeah. that's where the uh, Beaver Island Airways fly in and out of too. So mm -hmm. um, there, uh, the township that Beaver Island was in was was, and I'm not sure how the, what the pronunciation is, but it was named after an Indian chief, an Odawa Indian chief that actually was uh, head of the tribe in the area at the time that Strang was here. P e a i n e, Payne or Payne, um, and that was the name of the township and. Strang, before he climbed the ladder up to state legislator, was actually township supervisor. And I believe it was in Charlevoix County at that time. But I also believe that after the split, that it would have been part Charlevoix, part Emmett County, kind of on the border, so to speak. Um, but um, but this is all about politics, this whole thing. And, and the, the reason that he was able to stay where he was and to do the things that he did. I mean, these guys were counterfeiting coins, man. I mean, which is, yeah. you know, s serious shit with the federal government, man. Uh, and so eventually Strang crowns himself king in 1850, okay? And he has a coronation ceremony and the whole ball of wax and there's a secret order of the Illuminati, that they create. And there's these uh, several secret societies and secret meetings and codes. And, oh, that's the other thing. I got to back up real quick. Strang started writing a diary when he was about 17 or 18 in code. And they didn't crack the code until about 1960. Yale University cryptographers finally cracked his code. And so they didn't like decipher his, his diaries until the 1960s. And some fabulous and very insightful stuff about him and his sexual exploits prior to him. Oh, even I being can only married. imagine. Yeah. So when he crowns himself know. king, Pete, that, does he attempt to make Beaver Island a sovereign nation? Well, they call themselves that. However, at the same time, concurrently, he is a state legislator. And uh, a little bit, you know, uh, sticky. Uh, situation in a lot of respects but he managed to balance it and to deal both people at this or both groups at the same time you know um and at one point so he crowns himself king in, in 1850 and and that's really just for the the island you know for his followers you know and at that point it's still not up to the 2000 mark we're talking like six or eight hundred people maybe in 1850 or 1851 um but he then um, start. That's at the point where he starts uh, getting into uh, the politics, uh, the the political arena, and they start swaying local elections because they have several hundred registered voters on the island, and so mm -hmm. they start voting for the pro Mormon people on the mainland who are controlling, you know, uh, shipping and, and and for all intents and purposes. Uh, uh, you know, the local economy and the local, you know, the local everything. Uh, so um, he he becomes a state legislator after he befriends these politicians and they start putting not money in their pockets, but they're they're giving them their votes and very explicitly for favors, basically. And, you know, Beaver Island, again, is very rich in timber and fishing and, you know, economically in. Uh, Northern Michigan, it's, you know, it, it ends up being a powerhouse, you know, so there's a lot at stake. Um, I'm just trying so, to think about people who are like, oh, man, we need to deal with the let's go and to our let's go claim our property on Beaver Island. And somebody being like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, the Mormons control that island. Can you imagine of, that conversation? 
a lot of people left. They left their land. They left a house that they built with their own hands because the Mormons mm -hmm. just, just kind of like a fungus, kind of took over the island and, uh, and they ruled the island legally as far as you know. They, I mean, they controlled all the local law enforcement was Mormon, and so you know, uh, it was it truly turned into their own kingdom, you know. Uh, it's crazy to think of that many people out there, Pete. I mean, I'm just like Googling it here. The The 2000 census has 551 people living on Beaver Island now. So I was like 500. You know, so I'm not far off. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, four times the amount of people there in the in the late 1800s. Like it's uh, I've never been to Beaver Island, but I imagine it feels quite small to have, you know, 2000 people in the bustling like uh, sovereign nation kind of growing there. <laughs> have you ever been there, Justin? Or no? I haven't, but what, what, no, wait, I believe I have, but uh, my dad has been shot in the face on Beaver Island. That's crazy. What? Yeah. So it's strange. Were... <laughs> Coincidence? The connection is made. Yeah. I can That's see funny. my dad being a reincarnated version of the King of the Mormons. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's not true. That's not no. true. No. <laughs> oh, we lost him for a minute. <laughs> I was going to say I'd like to meet your dad. Uh, so, uh, yeah. so this all uh, kind of builds up into this all builds up eventually into a uh, a federal case. Um, there are people complaining to the federal government about the Mormons and what they're doing, and that this guy's crowned himself king, and you know polygamy, Wait. and it's you know. Dogs Wait, and cats living it? together, you know. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. The, uh, the, uh, so I might have gotten confused about his ward. He had a number of wards through the years. But if I remember correctly, when he was in Lansing, somebody learned that his ward, his current ward, was, which was like wife number six or something, who was very, five, very actually. young. Yeah. Okay, okay. It was like the last one in the line. Uh-huh. And uh, they're like, uh, wait a minute, your ward is a lady? She's She's been in the men's cloakroom many times. This isn't cool. This isn't cool. Who is this? She's your wife? Yeah. What? And then, like, it was like a big destroy anything that this guy uh, was ever connected with to the point where the legislators in Michigan were like, bring the feds in, erase this dude. That woman is a man, but that man is actually really a woman, and that woman's been in the men's cloakroom. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have this. That, uh, I, I'm not familiar with that story, but that certainly <laughs> could be part of it. Um I know for a fact, though, that there was a lot of suspicion because she traveled with him. And, the, the, you know, the convenient thing was is that his first wife, Mary, was n they almost never lived together. Uh, they were separated by, you know, hundreds of miles. She was in. You're right. Pennsylvania. Uh, where was she? Uh, she? She wasn't in Nauvoo when he was there and uh, or, or in Burlington, Wisconsin, when he was living there. Um, so he had all all kinds of opportunities to like you know have side side business going on with chicks, right? So, um, which clearly but he the did. Thing, but the thing is, is that he didn't become that. The, okay, uh, the United States versus James Strang happened in nineteen or eighteen fifty one, and uh, it was again you said the warship, you know, the the first ironclad warship in the, the history of the U.S. Navy. Uh, sent to pick yeah. this guy up and take him to Detroit for a trial. Uh, President Millard Fillmore, you know, basically sent this warship and the U.S. attorney and the U.S. marshal to go get this guy. So this is like serious shit. Um, it's like the A-team uh, as far as, you know, the, you know, uh, the, the U.S. legal system is concerned going after this guy. And so they end up going and picking him up and they bring him back to Detroit and he... He defends himself very adeptly because he's an attorney and he has uh, a gift for speaking and he's very eloquent and, and very he's, educated. And he's an accomplished uh, he's an accomplished politician. 
But to give, yeah, to give broader so. context, to give broader context, the federal government at the time had two standing orders for military folk out in the West defending uh, defending the wilderness from the from the settlers. And that is, yep. hey, if you see any Native Americans, uh, shoot them. Uh, also, if you see any Mormons, also shoot them too. <laughs> Don't let them get to where they're going. And yep. uh, when uh, some of that had to do with with uh, with the king of the of the Mormons and what was going on in in Beaver Island, because to the federal government, it sounded like this guy had his finger in a lot of pots up there, and there was actual a, a polygamist cult leader. Uh, slash pirate affecting the natural growth of the United States and its peoples. So they're like, heck yeah, number, first things first, let's see if Charlie's right with that iron design. Let's test it out on the Mormons. Yeah. Because if we get there and we have to, if we have to test out our guns on this island, well, that's okay too. <laughs> but like, it was this crazy, crazy, uh, crazy time. And wasn't there like a lot of drop? Wasn't he shot on the island? Yes. Be before they took him out? Yes. Like, and when he got to Detroit, he was like, uh, like barely alive and stuff. Well, actually, no. Uh, he was I, shot I at. He, yeah, I think you might be missing That's a right. couple of things. He was shot That's at, right. though. Uh, yes, it went through his coat, actually, I believe, like his collar or something and missed him uh, a musket ball. Um, but oh, there were skirmishes. I mean, the Mormons had skirmishes with local law enforcement, with the local Native Americans and with the local a drunken Irish yes. fisherman. OK, all of the above. They, they, they had skirmishes. And this is constant for the eight years that they were on the on Beaver Island as his followers in his kingdom, you know? I just had an idea for our next topic for our season one opener, the Purple Gang. Season two opener, oh, yes. Yes, yeah, yes, season yes, two yes, opening, yes. The Purple All Gang. About talk about... So I, I didn't, I didn't think you were into Minnesota Vikings or sports, Justin, but I'm all about talking about the Vikings. We can talk about the Purple Gang all day long. <laughs> we'll get my dad back on here. It's his favorite team. It'll be a great show. Michigan has had the weirdest... The weirdest luck with very niche, unexpected, unpopular groups becoming the strongest, toughest, meanest, most successful people in the region. And the Purple Gang, it, it just reminded me of, of the of the pirate Mormons. They were thugs. They yeah. were. They were. <laughs> like, who would have ever thought, though, that, that it would get that way? Compare it, you know, 100 years later or whatever, or 60, 80 or whatever. To uh, to the Purple Gang, who would ever think that a, a, a group of Jewish pe people, coloring themselves in purple, would be like the meanest scourge of the of the history of Prohibition gangs ever? Yeah, it was almost that diabolical. Except we're not talking about we're not talking about rum runners. We're talking about really weird Mormons slash pirate. I can't get over the Mormon pirates. I guess <laughs> I guess that's, that's just good. what it is. I can't get over it. But like, how did that happen? <laughs> and then like the Navy's like, iron hold ship time. No. It's not like the British are coming. Nope. Nope. <laughs> like, oh man, France got angry at us. Dust off that that secret iron hold ship design. It's <laughs> the Mormons are in Beaver Island and they won't leave. Yeah. <laughs> Send the Navy. <laughs> I like it. And honestly, Let's what commit. is that boat what is that boat doing in the Great Lakes when it should be like on guard for the, like the British Navy or, or some other international threat exactly. on the East coast, like Delaware or someplace, you know, honestly. Yeah, exactly. But they're like Beaver Island. We're coming to save you. Freedom <laughs> is steaming. For Freedom! All right. All right, guys, back the on track. Let's get back here. Let's get back here. Let's get back here. Strang is on trial in Detroit. What, what's going on with that? So he, uh, so he's taken, <laughs> he actually goes voluntarily. So they 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 kind of his followers say no don't do it don't do it and he he climbs on the boat voluntarily and they take him to Detroit and he defends himself cool actually there's no very adeptly he you know what 
the guy the guy did a lot of boat travel actually a lot of boat like if he had frequent flyer miles for the great lakes on boats the guy would have like paid off his farm you know so um they get him into the courtroom and they, they because of his political ties okay the democratic party is kind of the ruling party millet Fillmore is not a democrat he's a whig all right and mm. uh his power mechanism is all built on uh the whig party and those connections whereas locally and in detroit and most importantly the detroit free press and the local press in Detroit are, are all Democratic. So he Strang is already being propped up by the local media. Plus, he's got his local people uh, in uh, power that are saying, you know, like speaking up for him and that he's not such a bad guy. You know, we don't care if he's, you know, got 18 wives, but he's a good guy. And, you know, he pays his taxes and blah, 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 whatever. So. He ends up getting off of the charges, <coughs> which is amazing. And this is in 1851. And he runs for state legislator six months later and wins the office. And largely, again, due to his political con uh, connections. In Detroit now, he has a lot of friends and, and fans in Detroit after this whole issue. And it was kind of viewed as a religious persecution thing by a lot of the Democrats uh, in this state. So, uh so that's what happens. And after that, he kind of has carte blanche. I mean, you know, to, you know what, uh, whatever you're doing, go ahead. You know, as long as you're not, you know, just don't make any waves kind of thing. And he ends up being a pretty good state legislator as far as representing his constituents. Um, he really, he fought, he fought for, uh, one of the fascinating things is that he actually, oversaw a local uh, scientific expedition, kind of a la National Geographic, for the area, the Straits area, on flora and fauna in this area that was the, like, standard, uh, like, reference book for this area is, with regard to those things, anything living, basically, you know, and geologic survey as well. For years, like 70 years, I mean, until the 1920s or 30s, that was the book that mm -hmm. everybody used, you know, so he did yeah. a lot of really cool things. And he was a smart guy, you know, uh, he was just a power hungry sex maniac, basically, you know. Yeah, so, pretty much. And he ended up pretty having much. five wives, you know, uh, started off with Elvira, which was wife number two. Wife number one never really... They never really cohabitated after the whole Elvira thing, I don't believe. She kind of kept her no, distance and moved back with her family. Yeah, that was done. <laughs> she was done after that. She's like, I don't play. But he picked up three I, more I, along the way. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, you know, uh, the rest of this story is, unfortunately, he was very uh, kind of a micromanager and um, very strict which is really funny, morality laws on the island. And there were women that were wearing their petticoats in a uh, impure or improper, I don't know what you would say, you know, just uh, lewd and lascivious yeah. way. They showed and, just uh, too much collarbone and that was the end of it. Yeah, or ankle, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, the husbands of these wives were uh, given corporal punishment publicly. And they were pissed. They got really pissed. And they had already been fed up with Strang's laws and his, you know, I mean. At, this point, talk about at that point, his political influence had waned. His command over the, the lake had waned. I think there was like uh, problems with food supply and people were figuring out that he's living pretty kick-ass and they're leave, living not so kick-ass. And he... Uh, mandated that 10% of everything anybody owned in his flock was his. I mean, not yeah. just a tithing, but I'm talking property. Shit. And yeah. da daughters, maybe? I mean, mm -hmm. it was... It got you know, real ugly. It got really ugly. And, and he just... Uh, the friends that he had made politically over the course of that six years or, or so um, kind of started falling by the wayside because there were more and more reports... Uh, you know, coming forth. And, and the polygamy thing, again, that was a big, big issue. And that's why Brigham Young kicked it to the curb after they moved yeah. to Utah, you know. 
he realized that that was the biggest obstacle in assimilating into any area that they were going to move to, you know? So, yeah. <clears throat> but what a fascinating guy and really a brilliant guy. I mean, he saw all sorts of opportunities, manipulated mass media to his, you know, to his will, bent, you know, a lot of things to his will way before anybody had ever done so in American politics or religion, you know? Really amazing. And when he was, when he and his people officially disbanded, the Navy brought the ship back and picked up the what was left of the Mormons on Beaver Island. And they didn't drop them off all together. No. They dropped them off separately all around Lake Michigan, far enough away from each other that they couldn't congregate again. Very and true. The last that was ever recorded of anybody from that tribe of the Mormons, uh, they had formed, it was a bunch of guys and some of their wives who had formed or joined a Harlem Globetrotters-esque traveling, funny, talented baseball team where everybody had ZZ Top type beards. And that was it. That was the last, like, recorded destination of any of those people let's do zz top globe trotters meets baseball today and that's not they there is a site a website online for descendants of string and oh, not Lord. just descendants of string but also uh adherence there still is a very small amount of people who practice strangism or his brand of mormon no Yes, there no! is. Uh, as of about 10 years ago or so, there was anyway. I haven't checked well, recently. Why? I, <laughs> well, because there's, there's all kinds of crazy people in the world. I do want know? to quickly mention that we have, a, uh, we have a tradition here of asking anybody who would like to join us for a cheers at the end of the show. We're going to be wrapping up here very soon. The link is there. It's in the chat. Um, and uh, just remember, if you are going to join us for a cheers, to um, once you get in the back of the studio, turn off any other source that you are watching us on, close the tab uh, to avoid any echoes, and we will uh, let you in shortly to join us for a cheers. Indeed. Anyways, so, uh, final thoughts, my friends. Well, really quick, Pete, nicely uh, done. Justin, Justin, I wanted to, uh, you were alluding to the, uh, the end of his reign, and after yes. uh, post-assassination... Uh, he actually he was shot on uh, in the dock area uh, in the harbor and did not die on the island. They actually uh, he had some followers that loaded him onto a boat and they took him over to Wisconsin to uh, he ended up making it to Veray. And I believe his parents were there um, and he died uh, in Wisconsin. But. Um, Good. The uh, the uh, Navy ship that you were talking about them being, uh, you know, unceremoniously, you know, uh, escorted onto. Um, it was not just the Navy ship. There, the Irishmen, as soon as they uh, on Mackinac Island, okay, these guys that had been ousted and had been passed at Strang for like almost a decade, finally they heard r rumor that you know he'd been shot, and they. Instantly, like I don't know how many boats, but like a couple of dozen <laughs> drunk fleet. a couple of drunk Irish, uh, you know, or a couple of dozen drunk Irish uh, fishermen came at and at gunpoint forced all of the Mormons off, and that's where I get my number as far as the final tally for the Mormons. It was they think it was two thousand people off of the island at gunpoint on any passing steamer. That stopped by, and because at this point they had been a regular stop for cordwood for the steamers, you know, for fuel. So a lot of ships made regular rounds to Beaver Island to pick up fuel. And so any passing ship, and within 48 or 72 hours, those 2,000 people were gone. And all that was left with their houses, their barns, their plows, their, their livestock. And the Irish basically reclaimed all of this land that really wasn't the Mormons to begin with because they never purchased it from the federal government anyway. So it was stolen land. Uh, and some of it was actually had belonged to some of the, uh, the Gentiles or the, the white Irish that had lived there before. Mm -hmm. So, but just yeah. uh, 
can you imagine like escorting, you know, forcing 2000 people off of off of an island in 1856, you know, any passing steamer and just a couple hundred at a time, you know, boom, next ship, couple hundred people, you know, get on. I don't care. You know, you got wow. it. It was a okay because the federal government was like Native Americans, get rid of them. Also Mormons. That's the end of the list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those were the two biggest enemies at that time. Seriously. And well into probably the 1870s or 80s after, you know, Brigham Young had taken that flock there. Uh, it was a good 20 or 30 years before, you know, they were. Oh, heck yeah. Legitimized. They had to get rid of the polygamy. They had to get rid of the polygamy in order to be considered a state. They're like, and that's took, the only way. And it took a full generation for that to happen as well. So, yeah. What a crazy story. I, I'm going to dig into Wikipedia later. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> and there's a new book, actually, really quickly, um, yeah. that just came out a couple of years ago. Um, the book that had been kind of the Bible as far as this was written by a guy out of Grand Rapids uh, back in the 80s. And there's a new book by a guy uh, out, and I can't remember the, the, the title of it now, and I should have like provided a link, John. I apologize. But, That's okay. Um, it has uh, some updates, and uh, most of the, the repository for Strang's writings, his diaries, <coughs> and a lot of stuff from Beaver Island uh, and the whole Mormon occupation is in the Clark Historical Library at CMU in Mount Pleasant. And the <laughs> other half of it is at Yale University. So uh, those, are, those are the two places if you want to do any research, like academically, that's where you want to go. Clark Historic Li or Historical Library and CMU. And, uh, How did the Chippewas and, get it? Uh, proximity, I would imagine. And what? you didn't know this, but uh, I, I'm assuming maybe, but uh, CMU has a biology station on the island and has for many That's years. Right. As a matter of fact, my mother got a biology minor there in a summer, and that was when I spent a lot of time on Beaver Island when I was about four years old. So Cool. <clears throat> very cool well thank you guys so much it's been really fun doing these episodes um pete i know you originally were, were guest for uh for season one episode one and uh, i ended up just not being able to get rid of you and so uh you know we were happy to have Which is you good. no it's good it's good uh, the best relationships are formed that way it's it's totally fine well uh there is quite a few people watching actually but um apparently nobody wants to join us for a virtual cheer so I guess we'll just uh, handle it ourselves. Um, it's it's really sure, it, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun for the last uh, I don't know several months we've been doing this. And uh, Pete obviously is very busy all summer. Um, I'm starting a new job, and uh, so we're going to take the summer off, and we will uh, be back with a with an all new season sometime this fall after Labor Day. So I'm excited for season two. Maybe we'll kick it off with the Purple Gang. So, Heck yeah! I don't know. Great we'll, idea. We'll get to it. We'll have a lot of fun. So uh, for Pete Kehoe and Justin, uh, I am uh, John Cole, of course. And uh, cheers, my friends. Cheers. Cheers. Have a good one. Happy summer. Happy summer. <laughs> Enjoy the summer, everyone. Mm -hmm.